Dichter Hadina Pabuni, the Bocasto Mescla Brion Druth, Ostias Genev, Sauve Berryman. Hello and welcome everyone to the Mescla Brion Druth podcasts, hosted by me, Sauve Berryman. Mescla Brion Druth is a multi platform project using sculpture making and conversation to explore contemporary Cornish cultural identity. Through workshops, podcasts, a symposium and an exhibition, the project invites people to share their experiences of identity and Cornwall and their views on Cornish culture and its relationship to land, language, heritage, tourism, the Cornish diaspora and much, much more. These podcasts record conversations with guests whose research or lived experience touches on the project themes. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed are the speaker's own. All conversations are carried out with a spirit of generosity and openness, creating space for the discussions to twist and turn. And I'm very grateful to all who have taken part. This podcast is recorded in two parts. Artists Levita Sivungu, Georgia Gendel, Liam Jolly and I had planned to be in a room together to talk about our relationships with Cornwall. But we were meeting on one of the hottest days of the year when a storm brought the first rain for weeks and disrupted rail and road travel and took out some mobile masts. Due to the disruptions, we couldn't all be in the same place So we recorded the conversation in two parts. This is part two. I am joined by Levita Savungu, an interdisciplinary artist. Savungu works with writing, drawing, performance, photography, print and sound to build environments that weave decolonial narratives into immersive installations and poetic arrangements. Savungu is the recipient of the 2022 Arts Foundation Future Award and she has presented her work with Spike Island, Gasworks and Somerset House in the UK, Temple Bar Gallery, Ireland and Sonsbeek in the Netherlands. Here we join Levita telling us about her work and practice. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it's constantly shifting, so let's go with what it is today. Um, I'm interested in entangled histories, um, how we experience memory and um also wanting to create um, spaces for for healing and catharsis. So um, I speak a lot through my personal history as um, a mixed race, African Celtic, black woman, and um, my experiences of growing up as a person of colour in, in Cornwall in rural England. Um, and yeah, I work a lot with sound. I work a lot with drawings and with analogue processes. And so have you worked away as an artist? What's your sort of um, journey there? Yeah, so so I journey, I guess, I so I grew up here in Cornwall, um, mainly in Penzance. And then when I was 18, I, I um, fled. Um, I think it was, no, no, what did I do? I actually did a foundation at Falmouth. That was my first stepping stone. I knew that there was a golden ticket out and for me there was only one path left and that was through education 
um, I wasn't primed to go to university. You know, I don't think it was necessarily a feeling in my family structure that this is what would happen next. But it just became quite quite an urgent, like, this is the only way. So, yeah, I went to, went to Falmouth with my best friend and um, shout out Nina Royal. And uh, it was wonderful because there were so many people not from Cornwall there. So it was like a year of just us and all these people that weren't from Cornwall. It was absolutely like so great. And so then, yeah, it was a stepping stone to go and study in London, as I'm sure, you know, those people do. People go to university for many reasons, but a part of it is mobility in that way, a chance to go to a, a part of the country that perhaps you feel like you couldn't afford to do so otherwise and and then and then I spent 10 years in Bristol and then um, have traveled a bit to southern Africa mainly Namibia in the last few years and now I'm back. So you've heard a bit of Georgia and Liam's conversation and they spoke a bit about this coming back and through the workshops that so I'm also running drop-in workshops and conversation as part of Mescla and a few people have brought up who've attended those workshops sort of really kind of mixed tensions around coming back to Cornwall and the decision mm. when to do it and how's, mm. how's that for you? Yeah I mean I was one of those that kind of like I said like kind of fled was absolutely chomping at the bit to just see more there's got to be more there's got to be some black people somewhere you know didn't grow up with the internet come on where are you um and so once I was in London it was just like I'm not <laughs> I'm not going back so I really yeah I, I mean I've come my mum lives here my brother lives here obviously when you grow up here you've got lots of friends as well so I'd always come back for you know holidays a couple of times a year but really really didn't think that I would I just I just didn't think I'd come back for many reasons work all the things I just thought you know I'm not going to come back but I did so yeah I moved back last year um you know because of many circumstances I suppose coming out the pandemic and also I have a yeah I gave I gave birth to my child a month before you know the that happened that that big world change so so many things converged for me to come back it just just made sense you know um lots of borders were closing it f felt like things were closing in terms of being able to live between two countries two continents and so um yeah it was it it just felt like well I think I've got to go home I think I've got to go all the way back and and financially like and otherwise just pull in my resources and make things really small contract for a minute and um and and start making steps again in in a, in an kind of another I suppose in another path in another way so it's been almost a year now commemorate my year back with this <laughs> with this discussion and and how's how's it going how are you feeling about it I mean did you feel a sort of trepidation about about coming back oh, or was it know, a momentous I, thing it wasn't momentous it just felt like I experienced so much you know I spent half my life away from here and it's kind of poetic that it's like you know this you know first 18 years here then 18 years away and now I'm back so it kind of feels like natural and a lot of the um 
hang-ups that I had about the place, I think, have have left me in a way. Like, it is what it is. There's a lot of similarities. And also, it's I'm so different that I'm trying to be here in, in the newness of it, you know, because I think when you grow up in a place, you have so many memories and hang-ups about it. But actually, that's, you know, your 18-year-old self. So I'm also trying to, like, get a sense of, of what it what it's like now and how do I relate to Penzance now to Cornwall now because so much so much has changed so yeah I'm from this place but also there's a lot I don't know about it so I'm trying to be curious um, but it feels all right it feels it feels pretty natural I mean like like I said because I've got a child now um, it's important for them to have roots and so the main things for me at the minute is around grounding and being present and what does it mean to cultivate roots and I've realized that that sense of belonging that I thought was um, to do with a place or an environment I don't think is so much so I think it's it's a really internal thing that I think if you feel like you don't belong because of whatever conditions in how you grew up or maybe it's a uh, you know ancestral trauma or displacement I think there's a lot of inner work to do around belonging that isn't in the external so um, I think I'm much more concerned with roots now I have roots in multiple places and this is this is one of my homes so I kind of need to be slow and to water the roots and and to um, to be a bit stable with that Mm -hmm. and talk that's interesting um, what you say about sort of belonging not being about place Mm. Um, we, you and I have spoken before about uh, how we feel about being Cornish and what connects us in a way to the land or to the mm. place. Mm. So how does that fit in with what you're talking about there and with mm. you making that choice to bring your child here? Yeah, I mean, I love the sea. I love the sea. I do feel like... um it was interesting hearing like Liam speak, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah. In terms of like some of these things, like what, what do we actually connect with those that grew up here and what is uh, that kind of tourist lens. But for me, I think a constant has always been the, the sea has always felt like home actually, you know, where, wherever I go in the world, if, if I'm, if I go to see the sea, I just feel in awe. I feel like really good about that. And um, in terms of, I mean, I know this place at like the back of my hand. Um, so there's, you know, sometimes when you've been through wild times, there's something comforting in that. Um, and it's all right. Like, it, it just is what it is. You know, it, it just is. This place just is what it is. And and there's things that are changing. But I don't know how much things really will change. But um, the thing, I think the thing about Cornwall, the only way that I, that, that I guess that I really know about it is it's it's wild. I just think there's a wild energy. Whether whether you study this stuff and go like it's the Neolithic monuments, it's the ley lines, it's the, 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 the I don't know, but I just know there is a goddamn wildness here, and that wildness. You know, I feel like I have a wild spirit, in, and I express that in a different way to what I used to in my youth, but. I, th- I think that might be the common ground of, of me and my, you know, I speak to, from my experience, me and my friends that grew up here. Um, there was um, a, a wildness 
that we expressed that just seemed to be echoed in the landscape. Now, th that didn't mean that we were in these, you know, sacred sites doing rituals, you know, like that could be in a, in a car park, <laughs> doing whatever we're doing or in, you know, we have one club. So being in, in that place or, you know, being at a friend's house, but there's just, I suppose there's a wildness of youth, but there's just, I think there's just something energetically here that isn't about that romantic, beautiful landscape that are on postcards and in photos, but actually it's, it's the wildness that um, I enjoy mm -hmm. that I, that I know to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, um, I mean, it feels like that really connects to part of that conversation again with um, Liam and Georgia, where we were talking about um, urbanness and and a bit about the rough edges yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of what Cornwall is. And for me, sure. I feel as though I can be more of myself in this place. And I do think the... Um, the landscape has got something to do with that. The mm. facts where sort of a series of mm. peninsulas and high mm. grounds or low grounds within a peninsula. We've so much sea and sky. There's quite a few mm. wild places you can go mm. to that are unkempt and crooked and quite evidently affected by mm. the winds or um, the salt in mm. the air. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, I think in my most cynical times, it was like, <clears throat> if I'm away from people, then this place is great. <laughs> you know, in my most cynical times, if I am in nature, then like, wow, this is where I'm from. This is where I belong. And I feel that spaciousness. However, as a person of color, um, there's something very pervasive about the longer that you spend in such a white place and how, when you talk about edges, it's like you start to absorb, you start to absorb things. You start to take on, I don't know, maybe looks or comments or feelings that um that can be difficult you know um so that 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 kind of total i guess that that sense of being free or that that total um feeling of being yourself is can be challenging in that situation but then you know that's that's very specific to here and and then it also makes me wonder about you know when you go to other places that you're not from the challenges that you have in your in your body in 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 other circumstances but yeah there, there's a there's a discomfort there that becomes more comfortable mm. is that i mean i'm wondering is that something about so if you think like absorbing looks or comments do they mm. and are those looks and comments undermining i mean it sounds mm. like i'm assuming they're looks and comments that are 
othering and having some racist sure. thinking behind them. Yeah, yeah. And so that's yeah. undermining whatever sense of, I don't know. The, well, the, the only thing that I know that, that I suppose I came to a conclusion of a while ago when I would speak about this stuff and it was kind of like mm-hmm. growing up here it's like you're 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 so you're hyper visible but you're invisible you know it's like you you are you are so seen you're so known because of the body that you are in that but yet that you're in, you go there's a level of invisibility within that you know I don't know it's it's a, your experience is so can be so isolating that there's there's a there's a there's a loneliness in that um I mean I think the the invisibility could be like uh you know like people being colorblind mm-hmm. so like you're you're not different you're like one of us, but you know we need to acknowledge our differences to them, be proud of them, or to to understand them. Um, but then I think if you're going through experiences where you're not vocalizing what's happening, if you're having disturbing experiences, which are making you uncomfortable, but you're not speaking about them because you don't feel you have a safe space to say that, there's there's um, those parts of you become fragmented, right? You become fractured. So those parts you start become less and less whole because you're not speaking to your full experience. There's a retreat. There's there's a there's an inwardness and there's a there's a self silencing. And with that, you know, that's that's where repression can happen. That's mm-hmm. that's quite dangerous in terms of the realms of of trauma and and um, these kind of day to day experiences. And I guess that's what I mean by things can get heavy. So it's important to I think check in with that and find ways of speaking to release to move through and to process, you know? But yeah, I don't know. It's just that there is something that, in the way that you move through these spaces, I guess, that that you, that can be exhausting. It can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. I have to check in with that and, and get a sense of, um, you know, like, how am I feeling? Where's my energy at? Am I feeling a certain way because of this? And, you know, maybe I've got to get out of town or or, or maybe I need to, um, you know, um, cultivate some, some time with some friends that, that understand my experience. And there are, other, you know, there are other things at play, but with that particular experience as a person of colour here, yeah, that, that's something that can, I think, if you're not careful, can, can be absorbed and actually could get a bit heavy after some time. I can I could totally imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm. And and so mm. as an artist and with the artwork you make, um, are these mm. this range, this wealth of experience of mm. being who you are in Cornwall and um, an African Celtic person? Mm. Does that come into your artwork mm. do you think mm. and does it come into it deliberately like did you set out to make work about that or did you one day kind of go oh <laughs> i'm making work about this i did not i did not no 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 i, I mean i've been on a journey I, I after my degree i i you know i quit 
uh, I was I actually in my degree what did I do I, I had a really tough time at uni and then I presented in a performance I ate my birth certificate and present I shouldn't say this live this type of thing that you just don't why am I doing this I've written it out it doesn't exist anymore but basically I you know I I, I decided that this a new beginning needed to happen and um, yeah I, I, I didn't consider myself as an artist for about five years I graduated in 2009 and then um, it was in 2014 that I started to make work again, but it was that silencing. I couldn't see in my curriculum um, artists that reflected my experience as a person of colour, the language of Black diaspora, the things that, you know, are, 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 that I understand now. I didn't have the vocabulary for that. And so I became really, really stuck. Um, and it became really very very difficult time for me and and so in 2014 I started when I was in Bristol started to reform my practice that was looking at community and the experience of black people around my studio in St Paul's at the time and looking at broadcasting and radio and thinking about facilitation as a practice which led me into eventually working with sound and then thinking about installations um, but I yeah, I was kind of moving in and around and then started to look at like performance and objects that I could carry that would speak to landscape. And it felt like the materials and some of the works came before I realized what they were talking to, what they were speaking to. So this particular, I think I did this, this big work in 2017 where I carried like these big rocks, boulders that um, looked like there were these huge like granite Cornish rocks. Um, throughout Venice and but they were made of polystyrene but you know when I when I look at that work I didn't really know what the work was about but now I'm like oh of course you know I, I wanted to speak to this kind of um, this experience of growing up in Cornwall but then also of my kind of displaced African heritage and journeying and so yeah that kind of converged into me going straight at it I think in 2019 and realizing I couldn't dance around what this work was anymore and it, it was about me speaking about my personal fam, you know my my family experience and my heritage um, and those it was that mm. piece um that really chimed with me around I know I've mentioned this to you before mm. around um the way mm -hmm. these granite blocks are used to delineate space and close down space and control yeah. people but also I've, I've I just I've just started to find it really funny <laughs> like when I when I, I just started to laugh like when I actually started to look at these lumps of granite as like okay, this is our way of delineating space. That is just fucking hilarious. Like, this is where a car park is. Here's two giant granite blocks. Like, you know, not like, I'm, tr I'm not trying to make us out to be really backward, but like, that is just how it is. When, you st when, when I started to look around at things, I was like, this is fucking funny. There are two lumps of granite to tell us that this is a zone. And, and that to me, like, yeah, granite, you know, it, it is this place, um, uh, you know, when you look at the houses, you just know it. And, and But also, I think there's something really funny, you know, there's a seriousness to all of this, but also there's, there is a lot of humour, I think. 
in the way things are just plonked down like yeah plonked down it's just bonkers yeah. it's just like okay that's that's just how it that did the job why change it and it and it and it does then there's more time to sit down and have a cup of tea and eat your pasty at crib <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, granite, granite. I put granite into my last show, actually, in 2019. Loads of um, Cornish. I demanded Cornish um, granite gravel be in my show um, as a homage to this place. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's something there's something important, I think, about materials and 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 um, provenance and, and what you what you ascribe to them. So there can be an interesting symbolism if if you want to think of it in that way, um, or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, think thinking about that that plonked downness. Um, mm. Again, it feels like this is something um, Liam and Georgia sort of touched upon as well. Like the the space to make things happen and um, being mm. back in. Uh, like Redreath and Falmouth respectively they felt like there's space to make things happen that people do just set stuff up oh yeah here's a field right mm. we've got an air show on now that's it done um things are sometimes really put together without much finesse but they can also happen quite quickly mm. without too much fuss um mm. and I, I don't know that fit. I I don't think that that is something that's just Cornwall, but it certainly feels something mm. that is um, easy to happen here, and mm. comes into my mm. work a bit. Uh, do you, mm. do any of those sorts of attitudes come through? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I. <clears throat> I don't know if I relate that to my, if I can relate that to my Cornish experience uh, in terms of just, you know, having my second wave coming, being back here for a year. But certainly I feel like I came through an artist-led DIY um, space, you know, when I came back to my practice in 2014 and you know it was like just putting things on with you know with no money um us all working other jobs and I, I think there's something maybe in about class in that um you know like not coming from economically privileged backgrounds and therefore having to work a couple of part-time jobs at least and then have a studio and then in the spare time, you know, you do things. So prior to the position that I'm in now, you know, and whatever number of years ago, it was an economic thing as well of, of um, how can we put stuff on? How can we um, have community, you know, with without much um, and, and best use the resources that we have? And I think that's reflected my... The outcome of my practice is, you know, what what resources do I have to hand, and 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 that maybe in that more DIY 
environment I was making more performative works you know and and like carrying these rocks or or broadcasting or being part of a collective because I had to and and now you know I haven't been I haven't been in the studio really haven't had the studio for a few years and and so my practice operates in in a different way again um, but I wonder now being back here being in Penzance um yeah what's the pulse of of the arts and I'm curious I don't feel like I'm in it you know I, I hang out in certain spots um I don't drive um but I'm not yeah I'm not, I'm not sure of of what's going on in terms of artist-led communities or, or DIY projects here, here in Penzance specifically you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah what, what do you think like because we feel very regional within a small region it's like yeah. you know there are these that's what I'm realizing I'm trying to like observe like okay so there's kind of like an art scene isn't just there's an art scene in Newland there's an art scene in Falmouth there's an art okay <laughs> there's these are okay there's there's a lot of little pockets right yeah I mean I feel Cornwall's really really dispersed and broken up and has really poor connectivity between the different Mm. areas towns and villages Um, it feels to me like there's strong really strong identities connected to certain places Mm. um like i'm you know i was born in penzance and grew up around campbell in and around campbell I went to secondary school in Truro, but I don't sort of connect to Truro at all. I'm from West, I'm from West Cornwall, and that's sort of really part of my identity. And even I live in Falmouth now, and um, I'm, yeah, I, it's lovely, lovely living in Falmouth. And I make it, made a choice to come to the, the South Coast to have a different experience when I moved back down. Um, what? eight years ago but it's difficult mm. and then there's Bodmin Moor like completely splits Cornwall as well like yeah I that is elusive yeah. to me like how often do people from West Cornwall go up to North and East Cornwall it's it's I know if you're not from here this <laughs> this I mean it seems bonkers but it's so true like maybe do you think wherever you go there's always like a north south divide you know it's like just is there always like well a, a coastal my mother moved to london in the early 80s so she's lived there for a really long time and she is really disparaging about south of the river <laughs> if i'm when i lived in deptford for a time and she was just like what <laughs> Not just the East End, but South. So maybe it's in our nature. Yeah, to ascribe, what, to become connected to a zone and feel that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, mm. I, I wonder if it is, yeah, to an extent. And I, I wonder about the geography of Cornwall. Sort of also, we've got so many ups and downs and the wild spaces you're talking about, like the moors, yeah. are yeah. even now yeah. harder to be in or on um Mm. so Mm. i do think they sort of keep people in Mm. their little conurbations 
And, you know, we don't have great public mm. transport, do we? We're not going to just, like, jump on the central line and nip down to Penzance. No, that's an issue. You, like, you really do need to drive, right? And if you don't drive here, then there's, there's, you really experience it in a different, this place in a different way. And I grew up not with, um, you know, a driving family. And I think I became aware later in life when I was, like, reflecting and being like, whoa. And just seeing friends that have different mobilities and mo lots of different ways, how they experience growing up here and it, and their their language around this place. And it was just so different. You know, there was just such a different understanding of the histories. It was interesting hearing, you know, the conversation with Georgia and Liam, like around these kind of, you know, esoteric, like sacred histories and, and, um, how inaccessible those knowledges were and maybe still are and thinking about that physically as well like who has access to these heritage sites that tourists want to come and see and also people you know with a certain understanding go to see because I certainly know that I didn't experience that stuff you know it was only when I did this project in 2019 when I thought I need to look at my heritage here and I need to face some things and I need to make peace with some things and walk through some things that when I started to walk along some of these paths, it was amazing. But I also kind of just thought, wow, I just, I didn't, I didn't think I liked walking, you know, I was just like, oh, for years I was like, you know, walking. And it was interesting hearing Liv saying that because I was like, I hear you. And I'm really different now, but like, I just, didn't get it because it wasn't a hobby like why would you go for a walk on the weekend like I'm in town like we're gonna go out and do something like local and because we didn't drive it just wasn't part of our my family's like vocabulary is something to do and I wonder when I think about kids from the estate as well like they sure as hell wasn't you know they were not doing that as well so I just think there's there's a big um there's a big gap in in our experience here in terms of mobility economic social um you know like physical mobility in who can access these sites claimed sites of heritage of beauty of wonder and so then if you live in a place where everybody's talking about this stuff and yet you can't access it there's also that invisibility thing happening again where like the Cornish identity is really hyper visible in you know in terms of the language or you know media and yet your experience is invisible in terms of you not being within that narrative and that's where I have a problem with dominant narratives because it does this it eclipses you know um it eclipses the uh, it's not inclusive is it and sometimes it's just not real it's real to a certain part, but also like how many people um, feel outside of that? There's so much dislocation mm. in mm. that. Like um, if there's, yeah, this dominant narrative, this is what Cornishness is, mm. this is the Cornish heritage, mm. we're prancing around merry maidens mm. like every weekend or something, mm. or always spending time down at the beach. And actually, we know loads and loads and loads of people are, inland. are not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. And even if they are coastal, yeah. they're sort of facing away from the beach because yeah. 
of all the other sort of mundanities but essentials like um day jobs and how you get to a day job yeah and... yeah yeah and trans you know transportation is a big one but um it's interesting that dislocation it's interesting mm. and that um going back to what you were talking about there around fractured cultures mm. i mean i'm really interested in how um well not necessarily how cultures become fractured mm. but how do we as individuals put those things back mm. for ourselves mm. to an extent mm. and how easy is it to claim something mm. that you can't access like you say like maybe you can't get to i don't know lanyon koi mm. or menantol mm. or uh, one of these places but you know it's part of that heritage mm. um and you always see it represented in this certain, in a in a way mm. that is maybe not maybe not something you relate to. Mm. I suppose it's about storytelling, isn't it? And who's speaking, <clears throat> who's narrating, and so you know that that those. That is true, isn't it? That is a part of Cornwall. Um, but then there are there are other parts and other experiences that I think are lesser known. And so then that makes you think about power dynamics around who is speaking and who who are telling the stories and you know, what are the intentions around <clears throat> constantly telling the same stories here? Because that is something that I found stifling growing up here and still to a certain extent is the level of repetition around Cornwall heritage you know um, it's not to say that the stories that are told aren't true but also you know 50 years on there have got to be other experiences and, and other histories emerging that aren't just majorly you know marginalized experiences and so that gets me wondering about the author and the narrator and um, <clears throat> and the writers of, you know, the creators of these postcards. Um, and I think there's something important in, I don't know, when, when I guess when we think about fragments, it's like an archaeological dig or something. You know, like, where are the other pieces and, 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 I think we can stick something, we can, you know, make something again. This is like your work, isn't it? We make something again, but it won't ever be what it was, but that's okay. And sometimes when there's the conversations perhaps around Cornish identity and where we're going, I think um, there can be a, a desire to, there's a tension, isn't there, between the past and where we're going and where we are now and that's it's quite disorientating and quite difficult because you know we can't stay in the past and we can't hark back but we can bring things forward to create something new and and relevant and expressive and important but I think it's um when you don't have the perspective on on what you're digging what you know what the what 
what you're finding in on the site it's kind of these little fragments isn't it Mm. and then there's I mean this really connects to that okay so if you're real rebuilding those narratives or building a new narrative with these fragments Mm. that you find Mm. then who who is it who's right rebuilding that narrative or writing that new narrative mm. and who's it for and who's it for and who and who does it who does it seek to include um, include inclusion is really important yeah and it and it we spoke um georgia spoke a bit about and te- those tensions around what i've sort of picked up that it was around there is that changing and being open to that shift but also Mm. there's a grief attached to it and and fear around Mm. am I going to be included in that narrative in that Mm. new narrative I think when there's a a, like a feeling of a loss of identity there there is um, there is fear and I think a lot of strange things can happen. And I, you know, when you when you ask someone what it is to be Cornish, it's a really, we all got a different idea about that, haven't we? Um, I went to Redruth Pride on Saturday. Oh, did you? And that was awesome. Mm. And it really, what I loved about that was it brought together, you know, on a really personal level, like my hopes and ambitions for Cornwall and my beliefs of Cornwall. And what I also like my uh, sort of historic life, sort of traditional life of Cornwall. So like old Cornish lady standing outside the pasty shop going, oh, this is lovely, isn't it? Oh, look at that, beautiful. And then also this enormous, like, this huge pride flag rolling down Fall yes. Street or roll, being unfurled up Fall Street yes. with, like, massive blasters, like, blasting out a load of Freddie Mercury and, like, some geezers with wings and gold hot pants, like, bring it on that's that's Kone for me (laughs) that is that completely summed up where it is and where it's going in Mm. in my sort of in my fantasy world Mm. Mm. so that but that also sounds like intergenerational as well Mm. you know how do we I think there's maybe something about intergenerational conversations that are really important in terms of like rebuilding or constructing reconstructing um whatever this new site or place old place is you know um because that sounds like you know that kind of mashup in one place and that kind of wild spirit of of a number of things happening at the same time in a, you know, in a kind of chaotic cohesion mm-hmm. that's working. And that's, that also feels, that feels like here, right? 
in a lot of ways like there's so mm. and just you know i'm thinking about a town setting and this happens in cities as well of course but just where there's there is a level of understanding isn't there and cohesion cooperation something happening that allows it all to happen at the same time and i think with gentrification or with these kind of railroading fast paced projects there's a kind of homogeny that happens that maybe like drops out some of that you know we've said edge we've said wildness just that kind of mashup of like daily life of people being in a space together you know like people hanging out on a bench um you know maybe there's a gallery or something going on there's a couple of the old shops you know and we have our like yearly carnival that brings everyone together or whatever there's mm -hmm. all those things need to happen in their own small way at the same time yeah and there's that's where there's a i think class comes into this as well it, mm. in that moment of it's not about homogenizing like it's not i don't know what it is when i talk about this <laughs> but homogenizing or smoothing those edges mm. is is the frightening thing yeah that yeah, yeah 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 it should it should be like this pipe down yeah you know yeah whereas yeah, actually yeah. it's that peeling paint it's that unfurling it's what it's mm. what the like 80 percent humidity or whatever it is that we have here does to mm. almost every mm. single material um mm. that that opens up these cracks for all sorts of things to come together and mm. i read the sort of gentrification and the class sort of dynamic as trying to mm. endeavoring to smooth down those mm. those mm. peelings Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? On those? On where class comes into that? I don't know. I think I think it maybe not so directly. I think class and access and maybe uh, like spatial engineering. I think that just that weaves in in and out of these conversations and I don't know there's just still like an undertone for me about like when you're a person of colour here you are constantly assumed that you're not from here in terms of just of that like peeling or of that like claiming of a land or in terms of like that mashup of what works there's still that that lens of like, but where, you know, where are you from? That kind of debases, you know, debases so much that if you're, you know, if if one of your parents is from here or your grandparents, it doesn't matter. Like, you can go into all the validation around like whatever that passport is to your to your credentials of being here but if you it feels like to me and 
you know, I'm sure to a lot of other POCs, um, that when, and this is, but this is also Penzance, right? I'm down here and I'm sure in Truro and Falmouth and other places, there's a different experience, but there is, yeah, just, just the assumption that when you are not white, when you're a person of color, that you're already from another place. And it just, it's just an, it's just an undertone, you know, that just debases so much around, um, maybe around the reclaiming of heritage. It kind of just shifts, shifts the foundation of, it's a different start point to the conversations around Cornish identity when you have mixed ancestry or when you are Cornish, but you are told quite regularly or asked quite regularly, where are you from? It just creates a different building foundation for whatever the house is that comes on top. So it's like the base, the structure, the perspective in my mind is just so, it's just different. So it's almost like, when we're when we're talking about this landscape and you know I, like I, I love like mines and that's part of my heritage and I think they're super fascinating but that's why I love the subterranean as well you know there's these empty caverns below us that also have the potential for so much in terms of like alternative um alternative energy sustainable energy systems as well when we think about geothermal energy but Anyway, I digress. There's something there in the subterranean realm to think about what can come, like what's already under us that's quite murky and maybe toxic and hidden. You know, mine's a really good analogy for it. But then, you know, water can be pumped in. We can go to the Earth's core. Heat can come up and something sustainable can come through. But I think there's something about that base and the conversation around many perspectives which is why these conversations are really important my perspective here being really important just as much so as everyone else's that perhaps helps us all bring in these kind of materials or components into like what is going on under there to include those toxic parts as well and those rotten parts and those eroded parts into us making and building a foundation I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of the best way to get to it in my mind's eye. I Well, I think it's really essential to think about the, the role of those miners in the diaspora, sort of when mm. talk about, it can be spoken mm. about really proudly, the Cornish dias diaspora. Yeah, yeah. But that Cornish diaspora is really connected to a whole other project colonial legacy yeah a, a very violent colonial project um and yeah that that's that again is you know like a dominant narrative that that needs to be updated um and that's you know it's not about eroding a history because the truth is what the truth is it's just about including other histories and other narratives that make it a fuller truer reflection of something that has happened right and 
you know, I've I've looked at the um, Crescent Kerno website, and they've got you know a whole Black History section, and a whole like you know um, Cornish diaspora and colonial legacy project. So there's there's work that's being done that I think is really important. And again, back to that work of like inclusivity, of bringing inclusivity into um, into the narratives and the conversations. And also, you know, when I was listening to Liam and Georgia, there was this sense that I can identify with as well, which is like, there's just also something you don't know that's like a bit of disease <laughs> when you start to try and place what's happening with identity, with place in terms of, you know, the specifics of Cornwall. Like there's also something going on and I've had conversations with friends where we can't, you know, maybe there's like an anger and it's like, I don't know where that anger is. Like I feel angry about something to do with like the rate of change here, but I don't know what that is to do with. And there's something great as well about, you know, coming back and having so much more choice (laughs) around, you know, like food and drink and shops and some galleries that I absolutely embrace and love, but I totally identify with, I think what you all were saying about there being something that is unknown and uncomfortable going on internally about this, that is hard to even place, but it's important to say also like, you know, I don't know, but I have feelings (laughs) coming up that, that are kind of conflicting and and um yeah I've I've certainly felt you know a medley of emotions and ideas about the Cornish identity and and I don't know like nation states and you know borders and and these things are, are challenging for me you know I I just they're just they're just really challenging notions what are we putting out there in terms of like what's reflecting us now there needs to be some other reflections about our contemporary landscape that bring in you know our entangled histories as well of course but i think this is where the role of artists is really exciting and interesting mm-hmm. and important right yeah totally totally thanks so much Levita. that was like just so so generous so thoughtful thank you so much survey for hosting these conversations they're really really important and um yeah thank you for the invitation Miraz, i guess goslow is thank you for listening Further episodes of the Mescla Bruyon Druis podcast can be found on my website, soveyberryman.co.uk. That's S-O-V-A-Y-B-E-R-R-I-M-A-N.co.uk. Where you'll also find guest biographies and a resource page of links to further reading on the topics discussed. If you feel inspired to join the Mescla conversation about contemporary Cornish cultural identity, 
please get in touch with me, Save Berryman, via my website or social media. You'll find Mescalabriandruis on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. The Mescalabriandruis podcast and project has been made possible due to a wealth of in-kind help and support from many parties, including the Wender Perrin Festival, Gorseth Kernow, Cornwall Council's Cornish Language Office, Coethisan Yeath Canuick, Crescent Kernow, Cornwall Neighbourhoods for Change and Falmouth University Falmouth Campus. The project has been supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England and further funding has been gratefully received from Historic England via Redreath Unlimited. Agas Termin, Agas Grellas. Thank you for your time. See you later.